Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Anna Staver, and this is Ohio Politics Explained, a podcast where you give us 15 minutes and we give you all the news you need to sound smart and impress your friends when you go out this weekend. Welcome back to another episode of Ohio Politics Explained, the That's a Weird Campaign Fund edition. This week, we're talking about new federal gun regulations, a new campaign fund that might benefit Frank LaRose, who voted to raise the debt ceiling, and who might be speaking at Larry Householder's sentencing. Joining me this week is reporter Haley B. Miller. Hello. Happy summer. It is hot, but cold here, cold inside our building, hot outside the building. Yes. Currently recording this podcast wrapped in a blanket because our new office is freezing. Okay, so our first topic is guns, and two things happened this week. The first is that the ATF's new rules for pistol braces went into effect. If you don't know what a pistol brace is, it's an attachment that you put on a handgun that quite literally braces it to your arm and lets you fire the gun with one hand. They were originally invented to help disabled veterans and other injured gun owners continue to shoot their weapons. But they've become a weapon of choice for mass shooters because the braces often come with this thing called a buttstock that allows you to nook it into your shoulder. And in the opinion of the Biden administration, that turns a handgun into a short-barreled rifle. And I'm not going to dive deep into the history of guns, but short-barreled rifles have been regulated more strictly by the federal government since, like, the days of Al Capone. It's because they work like a rifle, but they're more easily concealable because they have a short barrel. And so this reclassification, which took effect on Thursday, means if you own a pistol-braced gun, you need to either permanently remove the brace or register it with the ATF. This, you know, it's in the grand scheme of gun policy, this seems like a small thing. But I think, you know, for the Biden administration, this is, you know, kind of what he can within the realm of what he can do on gun safety right now, you know, given the divisions over this issue on Congress. Yeah. And it should be noted that the uh, Dayton shooter who killed nine people in the Oregon district did use a pistol braced gun. Um, It was also used in a supermarket shooting in Boulder, Colorado, and more recently, the school shooting in Nashville. So it is something that has become more popular with people who perpetrate mass shootings. But, you know, the um, gun rights groups say that Uh, These braces have been around for a decade. This is sort of a retroactive change and that that's unfair to legal gun owners, many of whom may not know that they're now violating federal gun law. What are the penalties for this if you are a gun owner and you have one of these? Uh, It's up to $10,000 or 10 years in prison or both. So it's I mean, it's serious. You don't want to run afoul of the ATF like federal gun regulations. It's called the National Firearms Act. So NFA guns and NFA accessories, which include suppressors, which are silencers, like there's a lot of rules for them. Like you have to tell the feds if you're going to take this gun across state lines, no one can fire it but you in your presence. So like if you have one in your home and your spouse uses it to shoot an intruder and you're not there, technically that's a violation of federal law. Like they come with a lot of additional restrictions. It's not that you can't own them. It's just that they have a lot of rules and they're really hard to sell. 
because, you know, the person has to pass through all these federal hoops before you can sell it to them. Sometimes those hoops take up to a year. So they're more complicated to own. They're more complicated to sell. So that's just something like people have to keep in mind if they're just going to go and register this as a short barreled rifle, like how they use that gun is going to fundamentally change. If you're an Ohio gun owner, you know, a responsible gun owner, I mean, does this really change much on a practical level? I mean, are these things popular? Speaking as someone who's not super familiar with uh, with the gun world. Uh, so it's really hard to gauge how many of them there are in the country, let alone in Ohio. So uh, the ATF thinks there's three million in the country. Uh, the industry think there's a lot more. Um, I spoke to a guy who runs a gun store here in the Columbus area. He personally knows that he's sold hundreds of them. And he thinks there could be like well over 10,000 here in the state. So, it, you know, it's a question of how much you pay attention to the news, right? Like if you bought one of these three years ago and you're not like a big gun person or you're not really up on news, you might not know that this is even happening. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it's enforced. And I mean, if you're just kind of an average gun owner in Ohio or any other state, you know, if the ATF's really going to be pounding on your door, if they're going to be saving this for you know, mass shooters, other serious offenses. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Our second topic is a fundraising group called the Leadership for Ohio Fund. It's an issues group raising money for election integrity, but it might soon be donating those funds to something else, the election of Frank LaRose to the U.S. Senate. So, Haley, you wrote about this for our papers this week. So what's going on? So this is a really wonky campaign finance issue. The Leadership for Ohio Fund is registered with the IRS as a political organization called a 527. These groups are allowed to fundraise for issues like election integrity, and Frank LaRose is helping them fundraise with that goal in mind. But in the same breath, on the same calls, he's also talking about his prospective Senate bid. Um, He's considering getting into the GOP primary, could announce this summer. So so there's like a question of whether this leadership fund is actually just going to eventually become super PAC money, right? That's kind of the gist, like, I'm raising money for this. Oh, and I may be the best candidate for U.S. Senate. So why don't you give to this fund? Right. And right now, you know, to comply with federal law, Leadership for Ohio Fund can't advocate on behalf of a specific candidate. And technically, if LaRose were to be the candidate they supported, there's you know nothing to do for him right now because he's not officially in the race. If he does get in the Senate race later this summer, what this group could do is take the money that it's raising today and transfer it to a super fact that's allowed to help LaRose air ads on his behalf, things like that. So it's one of those things where, you know, I think he's ultimately going to benefit from the money being raised right now and the money that he's helping raise right now. But he's not quite in the race yet. So right now they're operating under this guise of election integrity. 
Our third topic is also about the federal government, the debt ceiling to be specific. All 15 members of Ohio's congressional delegation voted for a bill to raise the debt ceiling and cut spending. And it sounds like a compromise that everyone from Jim Jordan to Amelia Sykes could get behind, which is kind of wild. Yeah, there's been a lot of haggling over this for the last several months, and they had until June 5th, according to the Treasury, before the um, government would default on spending. So this bill is very much a compromise. It doesn't increase spending on any major programs like Democrats wanted to do, and they've had to walk back some of their policy priorities, like giving more money to the IRS to crack down on wealthier Americans who might be cheating on their taxes. Um, But on the other end of it, Republicans didn't get near the spending cuts that they wanted. Um, So this was ultimately something that all 15 members came together on. There might not be that same consensus within the Ohio delegation and the Senate. When this goes to the Senate, Senator J.D. Vance has been pretty openly against this. He keeps saying he's probably going to vote no. Senator Brown is for it. So if Vance votes against it, he would be the only one in Ohio to do so. But it looks like it will probably pass the Senate. It will probably go to Biden. We will probably not default on our debt. By the skin of our teeth, basically. Our fourth and final topic is about the upcoming sentencing of former Ohio House Speaker Larry Householder. The disgraced former speaker was found guilty earlier this year on federal racketeering charges for accepting a $61 million bribe in exchange for legislation to bail out two nuclear power plants. And on June 29th, we're going to find out how many months or how many years Larry might serve in federal prison. He's facing up to 20 years behind bars. And to help Judge Black decide, he's going to hear from Householder's team, possibly even from Householder himself, and from his victims. So it kind of raises that question, who's a victim in this case? Like, you know, in, in violent crimes, we sort of, there's a very obvious victim, or if that victim is deceased, it's the family of that victim. But with white-collar crime, it gets a little murkier. But... Former House Speaker, so another former House Speaker, Cliff Rosenberger, says that he is a victim and he wants to be on that list. He says he resigned after the FBI started investigating him for crimes. But now he says householder and former lobbyist Neil Clark lied to the FBI and misled them so they would open this investigation so he would have to resign so that Larry could take his job. We need a flow chart for all the the House speakers who have been interviewed by the FBI in Ohio. It'll be interesting to see if the judge allows him, you know, to move forward with this testimony. I believe Householder will also be able to testify on his behalf at the sentencing. You know, at that point, the judge is going to want to hear some remorse about the actions for which he was convicted. No idea if we'll get that from Larry Householder, but that is the kind of thing that could help you know, alleviate the sentence. Same goes for Matt Borges as well. I think it's kind of an open question at this point how much either of them will time either of them will spend behind bars. Yeah. And, you know, that contrition aspect I'm really curious about because both of them are going to appeal their convictions. Borges maintains very strongly that he's innocent. And, you know, it's that's a tightrope, right? How do you act contrite for something you're still saying you didn't do? It'll be interesting to see how it plays out and how the appeals play out. You know, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know how good their case for an appeal will be. But they've both, you know, maintained their innocence um, throughout this entire 
thing. We heard Larry Householder say, you know, on the stand that, you know, this was something that was House Bill 6 was good for taxpayers. He was just looking out for constituents in the state of Ohio. And I think, you know, they're still they're still riding that horse to some degree. And one more thing before you go. We've been talking a lot lately about who is running for U.S. Senate in 2024, but I want to end with someone who isn't. This week, Warren Davidson announced he's not getting into the Republican primary race. And, you know, that was a little bit of a surprise. It kind of sounded like for a while that he was going to join the list of candidates. Yeah, and this makes things a little less messy. Warren Davidson was going to have the backing, most likely, of the conservative group Club for Growth, which has been kind of at odds with former President Donald Trump lately. Trump, if he backs anyone, he's probably going to pack Bernie Moreno. So this makes it a little less dramatic. I don't think anything with this primary will ever be as dramatic as the 2022 primary, but I'm sure this one will be interesting as well. Ohio Politics Explained is brought to you by the USA Today Network Ohio Bureau. You can find us on Twitter at Ohio Explained. And if you want to learn more about any of the topics we covered, check us out online at any of the newspapers in our network, like the New Philadelphia Times Reporter. That's timesreporter.com. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.